everybody, this is Freddie Cohen of ESPN Radio. When I'm not talking about breaking news or breaking news on ESPN Radio, I'm always a fan and listening to the Detroit Sports Podcast, and so should you. All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? Welcome, everybody. Doc and Jock here for a special podcast. The Doc is here. John Macaroon. Adam the Jock Strozinski is here in the building, and we have a special guest. He answered our phone call. He said, you know what? I got to check out what Doc and Jock are doing. Tom Mazaway, executive producer, 105.1 Anchor. You can hear him on Matt Deary and uh, Drew and Mark at 105.1 FM. Tom, thank you so much for coming in. We're so looking forward to having a chat and uh, getting to know you a little bit better. My pl- my pleasure, guys. Thank you. It's good now, to meet you. Yeah, we we started this podcast because you know Adam and I are big fans of radio. We love Detroit sports, and we want to just have a chat about your history in sports, your vast knowledge in the in the, in the radio business game. You've been doing it a long time. Yeah, and we definitely want to pick your brain. Hey, I like it here. It looks like uh, my basement. I got all the uh, Detroit Free Press and Detroit News uh, back pages up here. It's all good, man. Love sports. Now, podcasting has taken off, as you know. Um, in the last several years, they've popped up all over the place. What do you, what do you think about them? Do you listen to them? And, and uh, you guys are doing them over there at 105.1. Yep. Um, they're great. The, uh, the Knockouts are doing them. I know. Rob Pasco, Adam Zellick, they I do know. a great one. I listen. And uh, podcasts are really fun. And uh, what are your thoughts about them? And uh, you think it's an interesting uh, new wrinkle to the radio business? I mean, uh, you guys are proving it. You guys are doing a great job, and people are knowing you, and you get some great interviews out there. And it, let's face it, it's, part of the, it's another part of media. All right, you got to uh, change or die, right? So you got to keep it going. It's great. You don't really need a radio station to to put your opinion out there. And you guys got a lot of followers and a great website. You guys are doing a terrific job. For those who don't know who you are, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. Where you came from, what you've done, and what you're doing. Absolutely. I mean, I know John kind of went through a litany of things, but I know you weigh way more hats than that. That's all right. Now, you know, I came from Jersey, born born and raised there, and came to Michigan in 93. My wife is from St. Clair Shores, and that's where we are, and uh, got married in 98, and it turns out that that's basically when uh, I've had two years in. I started in 96 at WJR okay. as an intern from Specs Howard. All right. Shout worked, out the Specs. I shout out the Specs. I worked for uh, Mitch Album when he first started his radio show. It was uh, 3 to 6 on WJR. He was first, uh, I think he worked at Riff before that, but besides that, WJR gave him a shot, and I worked as an intern there, and the more I learned... The more I loved it, and I was like, "Man, this is what I've always wanted to do." And I went to Specs Howard as a you know a thirty whatever two year old guy, so I, they called me Uncle Tommy. I was the <laughs> oldest oldest in the class, so I you know I got through there and got the internship with Mitch. Before you know it, my internship's over. He offered me a part time producer's gig and showed me the ropes and uh, took it from there. And Chuck Swirsky was a sports director at JR at the time. He now is the play by play guy for the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. So he's in Mass. I love your spirit. You know, how would you like a job in the sports department? And I thought it was like a prank. I thought I was looking looking around to see you know, if they were filming me on candid camera. I'm like, you kidding? It's like, no, I love your passion. I think you'd be great. You produce sports rap for us. Sports rap was the original sports talk show here in Detroit. Frank Beckman did it. Mm-hmm. And then turned the reins over to Chuck Swirsky after that, alongside Dan Dickerson and Steve Courtney. And I'm like, phew, I'm all over it. So they hired me in. 
for 20 grand. Okay. <laughs> I'm a 30, let's say I was 34 years old at the time, making 20 grand. So I took a big step back because uh, I was in the restaurant bar business growing up. And I didn't want to do that here in Michigan. So I went, like I said, I went to Specs and I digress. So I went WJR and just fell in love with the place. Going to work at the Fisher Building every day. It was phenomenal. Meeting all these people. You know, going to my first game was a Pistons preseason game against the Nets. You know, I'm an East Side, East Coast guy, right? So I wanted the Nets. You know, so Paul Chapman takes me. Paul Chapman was a you know big veteran reporter on JR. He takes me to my first game at the Palace, and I'm just like wide eyed because you know the press gets to sit down on the court. I'm like, I've never been down this far. What are you kidding me? I start cheering for like the Nets. Like the Nets make a basket. Oh yeah. And he's like, Nets. That's you don't do that anymore. You can't cheer anymore. <laughs> Cheering is done. You're a reporter now. So I had to learn. That was the first game I went to. Obviously, I've learned since. So I cheer inside, you know. But that's basically how I got rolling. And uh, the rest is uh, history. There's Gordon, plenty more into my career, but I don't want to bore you. Nah, no, we'll, we'll get to that yeah. in a bit. You talk, speaking of cheering, growing up, who are the teams that you followed as a kid out there in Jersey? Oh, all my New York teams. And, you know, they always tell you, you got to like the Giants or the Jets or the Mets or the, or the Yankees. I love them all. There was only one team I really didn't like was the Rangers because my all my friends were Ranger fans. I grew up an Islander fan because I, I started loving hockey when the Islanders were born or when they came to Nassau Coliseum in the early seventies, and then of course they became a dynasty. So I had I had everything on my friends. It was phenomenal. And then when the Devils came in '82 to Jersey, the Jersey's first team besides the Giants, who are still called New York, but even though they played in New Jersey mm-hmm. since '75, so when the Devils came, I just. My allegiance went to them, although I'm still an Islander guy, and I, and I love seeing them come back now. But my favorite sport, it, it's baseball and football, kind of hand in hand. So when the Yankees obviously giving me such a great thrill, the Mets, 69, I was too young to realize, to remember it, but 86 was magic. And the New York Giants were dregs when I was a kid. They were horrible. I rooted for the Dolphins, you know, undefeated Miami Dolphins. They were coming up. I remember watching one of their first games that I really fell in love with the Dolphins was uh, – the sudden death game against the Chiefs back in 71. And they won, got into the Super Bowl. Cowboys beat, beat them bad. But then the following years when they had the unbeaten season. So I root for the Dolphins. And when the Giants, of course, were always my team. The Jets always stunk as well. Loved them as well. And then the Giants came out of nowhere. And Lawrence Taylor and Phil Simms and Bill Parcells. And, you know, that's really my true love, the Giants. Was Lawrence Taylor your, your favorite oh, player? So much so that I actually worked as a busboy at his restaurant, LT's. <laughs> And he would just show up at night, party, like a son of a... The place went bankrupt. <laughs> the place went bankrupt. But you know what? I had a great time saying, ah, I work at LT's, man. That was fun. And, uh, you know, it later turned into a different restaurant. I think it turned into Satin Dolls, which is Bada Bing on Sopranos. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Tom Big Sopranos fan. Hands, mm-hmm. Big Sopranos fan. <laughs> I love it. So uh, I guess Sopranos. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite guy in Sopranos? Oh God, Tony's my guy. Tony's got, your dude. And rest in peace, uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah, that's my show, man. Uh, and I still watch it on HBO. Uh, repeats HBO Go. But yeah, Sopranos to me was you know it's just Jersey. That's my dad's it's, favorite it's show, Jersey. by the way. It is. He it's, loves it's, it. It's he has, has all of the discs. Watches them all the time. It's phenomenal. It. Breaking Bad since then has been awesome. I'm a big TV guy. Okay. I love movies. Love music. You know, I'm a, just a regular average Joe. Just a regular guy. That's it. You were a big sports fan, and oh, you started yeah. to develop a passion. When did you start thinking that maybe you wanted to build a career in sports? What was that turning point, and what was that motivation for you to have a career in the sports business? It really wasn't a turning point. Since I was a kid, mm-hmm. this is the truth. I'd sit on my porch in Union City, New Jersey, and I'd have a radio with me. 
and I would listen to the radio all damn day if I wasn't playing ball or whatever. And I'd listen to WABC in New York, 77. And Howard Cosell would come on at night, and that was my guy. I wanted to be Howard Cosell. He was my, uh, I would say he was the guy I looked up to the most. And, uh, you know, I never thought I could really do it. All my family kept saying, Tommy, sports is where you got to go. Sports is where you got to go. And uh, when I went to college at St. Peter's, I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. I, I always wanted to do radio, but it never came in my head that I was going to do it. So I just kept taking business courses or whatever like that. I was not doing great and just going through the motions, basically. And uh, I really didn't think of radio until I came here to Michigan. And like I said, I came in 93, and I decided uh, I didn't want to work in the restaurant business here since I did it in New York. I didn't want to come to Detroit. and It's not New York City restaurants. It's different. I wanted to do something different. I'm like, it's the Motor City. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll sell cars. So I went to uh, all these car dealerships up and down Gratiot and uh, finally got one that would hire me. It was Jim Reels, Roseville, Chrysler, Plymouth, like on 10 and a half in Gratiot. And I met Mr. Reel. And uh, first they told me they didn't have any room for me. And I kept going back. I went back three straight days. And I kind of got like friendly with the receptionist. Tammy was her name. I'll never forget. And she's made... Mr. Real interviewed me. She's like, you interviewed this guy. And he hired me. And I did real well. Not great. Enough to, to make a living. And it was a good business. But it just it wasn't, that I, my, it wasn't my passion. So I was out in a parking lot one day uh, cleaning cars off, snow off the cars, because you had to keep the, the inventory clean. And I heard a commercial for Specs Howard. And I'm like, wow, I've never heard of it before. So I went home that night and I told my fiance at the time, what do you think, uh, Take a ride to the Southfield with me. I want to go to this. I want to go to this uh, to the school and just check it out. She's like, "Okay, I'll I'll follow you and see what you got." So we went, and before you know it, my wife gets my fiance gets accepted for her masters, but up in the UP. So here I am. I moved to Michigan for her, and she gets accepted to Northern Michigan to do her masters in speech. So she's gonna leave me and go up to the Marquette, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll tell you why. Give me two years." You do your thing for two years, I'm going to do my thing here and see if I can get it to radio. And she said, she gave me her blessing. So I joined Specs Howard. I went to the morning shift. In the afternoons, I went to WJR for Mitch. And at night, I waited tables in Gross Point. That's how I put myself through school. And you got the rest. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here. And now you spoke on air. I'm a regular listener, 105.1 FM. You spoke of a, some decisions that you made, and you were kind of had you had a similar story to DeAndre Jordan in that you had a you had a situation where yep. you were looking at a change in jobs, mm-hmm. but it didn't really work out, and you had a, a change in. I'll in, tell you exactly. Yeah, tell us the story. It was a couple of years into WJR, and uh, I got a call from somebody first at ESPN Radio in Bristol, and they wanted to fly me in and interview me. You were so, a hot commodity back then. You believe it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Someone just, you know, my work ethic, I guess, got around, and yeah. they said, we want to have you come in. So they flew me in to Bristol. I was like on cloud nine, but I didn't tell the bosses at JR at the time. We were one family. It was a, we was run by Disney. Mm-hmm. Disney owned ESPN. Disney owned JR at the time. So I'm like, okay, it's the same family. I can get around it. So I go there, and I interview, and they wanted to hire me to be the first producer of Dan Patrick's show, oh, wow. the Dan Patrick radio show. I was like, wow. I'm on a cloud. And my wife and I uh, just got married. We just got married. It was 1998. And uh, they offered me not a lot of money, more than I was making, but not enough to move back east. So I told them politely, I, I can't move for this. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I felt good. At least I got the interview. Got to go see ESPN. They showed me everywhere. It was really a, a thrill. So then uh, a couple of weeks later, my wife and I find a house. We put a bid on a house. We get the house. It was a for sale by owner, so it was. I gave the down payment, and uh, 
I'm not kidding. A day later, ESPN called me back and offered me like 20 grand more. Wow. And that would have made it. I would, that would have put me okay where I needed to be. And I had to tell them too late. I already got this house. I'm at JR. So be it. And what happens is Mike O'Hara, who's a friend of mine, he used to write for the news. And every Sunday he'd write this column with Varton Kapelian called BTS, Behind the Scenes. And he'd put little snippets from media stuff in there. And one of the last things was, hey, WJR producer Tom Mazaway was flown into ESPN Radio in oh, Bristol, no. blah, blah, blah. You know, we're glad Maz is still with us. The next day I go in on a Monday, my bosses had me in the office, and they're like, what the heck is this? If we're reading this. You're not telling us what's going on? Holy so cow. I explained to them, come on, I thought it was the same family. I'm still here, aren't I? And they let bygones be bygones. So that was my first brush with leaving JR. Was it rocky after that? Not did, really. Did it make it a little bit weird at no, all? Not no, not at all. That's not at cool. all. They, they've always treated me great there. That's awesome. But what, uh, what Doc is asking me, it was about when 1270 flipped over to sports. Mm-hmm. And I think they were called Team 1270 mm-hmm. when they first started. And I got a call from a friend of mine, Jeff Lesson. And Jeff uh, was going to be the program director there. And they brought me in. I talked to all the higher-ups. And they wanted to bring me in as executive producer of the Locker Room Show. And part management as well. So I was going to work with Eli, Kirk, uh, Help me out here. Uh, Kurt, Gary Danielson. Gary Danielson. The three of them. So I, I'm like, great. I sign on the dotted line. I'm going to do it. I give my notice to JR. They're like, oh, Maz, we're going to miss you, blah, blah, blah. But usually when you go to another radio station, they'll have you clear out your desk right then and there. I was the last one out that night because I had Michigan basketball to do. They literally let, they said, lock up the place when you leave. We're going to miss you. So I left my phone there. I left my, my key card cool. there. And the next day I went right into XYT. Met uh, Eli. I knew him already, mm-hmm. and something just didn't feel right that day to me. So about maybe four hours in, it was like noon, and I'm like, this, this, don't, this, don't, this isn't right. I get on the phone with my wife. I'm like, honey, I just, this, this doesn't feel right to me. She's like, well, you already quit. What are you going to do? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call JR and see what they say. I'm going to call Steve Stewart, who was the program director. And she says, go ahead. I call him, and I talk to him. Hey, Steve. He says, Tommy? And I'm like, I I, don't, I want to come back. He starts laughing, laughing. He's like, what are you talking about? Give it some time. You're going to love it. I'm like, I don't want to love it. I want to leave. I want to come tomorrow. Do I have my job back? And he's like, yeah, of course you have your job back. And then I said, Do you, I want my job back plus blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, fine. Come back. And they gave me a raise. I went back the next day. They had like a party for me. I had a cake. They had balloons. You so, weren't even out of the office 48 I wasn't out hours. Of the office, I wasn't out of the office 24 hours. <laughs> So, and uh, that's it. I mean, so I went back to JR. It just didn't feel right to me. It just didn't feel right in your gut. You just had, nope. a, you had a bad feeling it wasn't going to turn out. I had a bad out. feeling. And you know what? Those people at, at 1270 were nice people. They called me that night because I, I called them all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't DeAndre Jordan them. I answered their phone. And I talked to Rich Homburg, who was the boss. I talked to George Ann Herbert, who was the PD, who was the uh, vice president. I talked to Eli. Danielson called me. Uh, Gibby called me. Come on, Mads. You know, blah, blah, blah. They were all great guys. I just told them it just wasn't for me. And that was it. Went back to JR. And then like two years later, I wound up at 1270 anyway with with and uh, John Lund and Mark Spindler and Terry Foster and all those guys. I actually made the jump that time to 1270. We got Tom Mazaway in studio talking with Doc and Jock one-on-one. Tell everybody, what does the job of a radio producer entail? Oh, God, it does a lot. And a lot of people, uh, you'll hear hosts say, oh, my producer is... Uh, Joe Blow, who's uh, running the board. And I'm like, that's not the producer. That's your board op. That's your engineer. Your, your producer is the guy that 
you lean on for ideas, a guy that comes up with your guest ideas, a guy that tells you if a segment is good or if a segment sucks. Now, that's your producer. A producer is a guy that maybe you're not uh, a host. Maybe you don't want to be a host. I never really wanted to be a host. I wanted to be maybe you know, to chip in like I do. And I love producing a radio show. I love making a great radio. And people call in and people enjoy themselves. And uh, people write about it now on Twitter and, and, and texting. But back then, you didn't get as much feedback. But you just knew that people were listening. I mean, you, you knew when you did good radio. A lot of times it just didn't matter in the ratings or whatever because it's hard to make ratings in radio. If you don't have people that are listening to you that have a, a PPM meter, let's face it, you're you a blip no on the radar. Idea. Exactly. But you got to keep doing good radio and you got to hope that the people that listen to you eventually will get it, get one of these things and, you know, get the radio station making some money. And the producer just does, a producer helps a host be a host. He talks them through things. You know, a lot of times a host is having a bad day. You got to talk them up and pump them up. And that's it. You keep them on the up and up, and you try to make the best radio you can and try to come up with ideas. Constantly thinking. Like today, I'm already booking. During my show, I'm booking tomorrow and Friday show and thinking who I have to book next week because I have Matt's on vacation. Who am I going to bring in? Who works good together? You know, maybe I'll give this guy another crack. And, you know, guys like like Adam, he deserves to be on a radio station. I mean, he's working his, working his tail off behind the scenes right now. And eventually someone's going to notice your hard work and, and put you to work. Just and, give me a call. And just give you a call, man. You're available, right? <laughs> that's right. All right. Doc, you too. But that's I think right. you got you got some other work to do. That's right. That's right. And yeah. I really respect the job of a radio producer because it, you don't know. You, you, we all hear the host. Yeah. But sometimes the behind the scenes doesn't get enough credit. And that's oh, why. absolutely. But what you know, you know because I've been in charge of getting guests and Adam as well. Yeah. It's a tough thing to uh, – deal with people to try to get them on a show and things like that. The best compliment comes from the host to your producer. Mm -hmm. If your host likes you, you guys work as a team, you know it. You know it's a good it's a good song when 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 the words are good and the beat is good. That's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. Yeah, and, and w, uh, WFAN in New York was one of the first all-sports stations. It was. Did you think that sports radio was going to become what it is now? Almost 24 hours, several different broadcast networks, fans calling not. in. You of think course it's gonna be not. like this? Not like this. This is, you know, it's crazy. I mean, and it look at you crazy. guys. You got your own show. I mean, how many podcasts are out there? Can you count them even? No. You can't. Hundreds of them. They're all and they're all different ways of, of getting the word out for sports. I mean, sports is supposed to be fun. Yeah, there's gonna be guys that, that disagree with you. But when it comes down to it, it's just sports we're talking about, man. You know, and if we talk about a story, it's in the news. Everyone has an opinion. It's like a doorknob. We all got opinions. We all got doorknobs. All right, so two years later, speaking of great radio, you were part of something that was infamous in Detroit. Two years later, you end up going to 1270. Yep. You were part of what has been called the rant. You were producing oh, the Millennium Foster, show, yeah. Millennium Foster Show. Yeah. And Michigan State had just lost to Notre Dame oh, in yeah. what looked like a hurricane mm -hmm. after they had the lead going into the fourth. Poor Mike was there with his dad. That's right. And it was a monsoon. Mike comes in and on on Monday show and just loses it. Yes, he does. So he didn't want to lose it, but it just morphed into that. It was it was one of those things where got in Sports Illustrated. It, it did. Yeah. It, it was one of those things that you were there trying to trying to control the entire scene. There were breaks that were being missed, and it just it, it, at one point it just seemed like it spun out of control. But you did a, a phenomenal job, kind of reining it all in and keeping it together. How difficult was that? You know what? I haven't listened to it in so long. I remember it was this great. I should great, go dig the CD out of you my should. car. It was great radio. It was great radio. It was just so fun to hear. You know why? You just, I just sat down in the chair and I just let him go and let him lose his voice. And You tried offering him tea at one point. I did. 
I did. <laughs> you know what? The, there was nothing. There was no, no way bringing him back at that point. It was just, you know, the kid, the, the guy knows what he's doing. He did a great job then, and he's still uh, a force to be reckoned with. What was, what was being part of that like for you? You know what? It was, it was just, to me, it was almost like another day mm-hmm. because Mike was always like that. He just didn't lose his voice a lot mm-hmm. on the air. But that's true passion, man. That's good stuff. How you, do don't, I, you don't get that. You can't, you can't script that. No, that's, that's real. Yeah. That's authentic. How do you go about – so like during the rant, Mike says to you, he's like, Tom, this is what we talked about. This is what I'm doing. Like He was adamant about going on about how he felt about that game and about everything that occurred that day. How does the pre-production for something like that go? There was no pre-production. It was for just, it. He, he was he was, he was just was like nothing. he's just like look, we're talking MSU. Uh, yep. I'm going to tell you how it is. We meet in the morning. We, we pre we, we meet in the morning. We all sat like at a different desk. You know, it's, we're tired, mm-hmm. and he just comes in and he's of course down, mm-hmm. but he's not going to you know waste it off Mike. Right. Well, we just keep it keep it simple. Mm-hmm. It's so easy when it comes to something like that. And Terry and I just looked at each other and we you guys kind of knew. We just kind of knew. Just you know what? Leave him alone, Maz. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving him alone. Mike, do what you got to do. I'll get you a copy of that. I've yeah, got it. I got that it. would I've be got, great. I'd like to hear it again. Yeah. That would it, be great. It was great radio. And if anybody hasn't heard it, they usually do an anniversary when it happens. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a side story about Mike. When I was at JR and worked with Dan Dickerson, his wife, Lori Ann Dickerson, mm-hmm. was an instructor at MSU. Mike was one of her students. Okay. So this was when, after JR lost the Tigers and the Red Wings, our uh, president at the time decided sports isn't good on radio. We're going to let it go. Nonetheless, uh, boy, they don't know what they were talking about. No, you think, you think <laughs> not they, in this area. You think, they, you think they dropped the ball a little, <laughs> a little bit? Yeah. Nonetheless, we knew it was going to go. So the sports department was basically shrinking down. We're going to lose Dan to the Tigers. Dan became the Tigers' play-by-play guy. Steve Courtney and I were the basically the sports department, and Steve did Mitch's afternoon drive, and I produced uh, our show at night. And they finally decided that sports rap was going to go away. So I really had nothing much to do. That's why I jumped to 1270 the second time. But before that, I got a call from uh, Lori saying, hey, look, I got a guy here. One of my students wants an internship. She used to send me interns. I used to have so many interns. But we had things to do. At that time, I said, Lori, I got no time. I don't have any room for her. And she's like, you got to take this kid. He's, you know, you got to take him off my hands, basically. Basically is what she's saying. He was tired. She was tired of hearing him badger her for an internship. Mm -hmm. So it turned out it was Mike. So I think, and I can't remember if I if I talked to him or we exchanged emails. But I basically told him that I couldn't do anything for him. To this day, he'll tell me that I was I'm the reason I drove him to be the guy he is in sports <laughs> radio. And you can ask him, and I'll guarantee he'll tell you, yeah, it was Maz. You know, I was I was pissed at Maz. I was his driving force. Every time he'd get down, he would think of me and get more mad. And that's where his sports inferno. And obviously, it just became you know mm-hmm. last names over at. At 97. So right. that used to be the sports inferno mm-hmm. for a reason. He's an inferno. Because he, he was always pissed. <laughs> but isn't that funny? I had a That's... chance for him to be my intern. And in wow. fact, here it is. And it wasn't, Mike, it wasn't my deal, man. You know, I would have given you an internship if I had room. Now, shoot to uh, August 2013. The new 1051 turns to all sports. Now, you are you are now the executive producer of the shows there yep. on 105.1 FM. What's it like to be part of the beginnings mm-hmm. of a new all sports station in Detroit. I love it. And like I said, I was one of the first ones to be hired at when Team 1270 launched, but I didn't last long, as I told you. This one, I was going to make sure I wasn't going to leave. I was at JR at the time again, part time, and doing other stuff because it was real hard to get a, a full time gig in radio at that time. 
and being in my 50s makes it even harder. Don't worry. It hasn't changed. I'm just telling you. It's a, fa- it's a fact of life, all right? It is what it is. So I get this job, and uh, Jason Dixon came from the Tampa area, and uh, we all got a good chance to uh, – you know, everyone, I'm sure everyone in the town gave him resumes and calls, and I was one of the lucky ones I got a call in. So I had an interview with him, and he hired me uh, to produce the 12 to 3 show, basically. And that was going to be the lead-in to Drew and Mark. Drew, they built the station around Drew, Drew Lane. So uh, he's been with Greater Media for you know such a long time and, and made them a lot of money. Forever. Yep. Forever, really. Yep, what truly. a pro, too. Nonetheless, I was going to be hired at 12 to 3 and didn't know the host yet. I never met Rico Beard at the time, and I knew Ryan Armani, and they were going to put those two guys together and put them out there until the Diesel came to town because Matt had like a, a contract thing going. So we were going to... Watched the 12 to 3 form with, with Ryan and Rico until Matt came. So for the first month, me, Ryan, and Rico worked together. And I thought, no, we had such a fun time. It was a great time. And I just I hated that, that they were going to get bumped to the weekends. But I love Matt. Don't get me wrong. But I felt, you, know, you, feel a yeah. kin, you feel a kinship, man, when you first started the show. And we had a good thing going. So when Matt came, just take it off the sheet, man. I've been working with Matt for 20 years. Opposite stations. He was with DFN. I was with JR. And, you know, back and forth we went. And actually, uh, when I left uh, 97.1 and 1270, he took my show. He took my shift. He did my afternoon drive sports. Mm -hmm. And Rob Pascoe took my – they split it. I used to do WWJ, and I used to do the ticket updates. After I was producing, I would just do those shows. Turns out they split it, and they gave it to two guys, Rob Pascoe, who I work with now, mm-hmm. Matt Derry, who I work with now, took my job, basically, and I became a part-time radio guy. So it leads me back to now we're all together in the same place. And there's a lot of people out there that have put their time in and, you know, can use a gig. I, want, I, w- I wish everyone can have a gig. But right now, you know, the station's in its infancy still. It's, it's growing up. It's like a little kid now. It's going to be two years old next month. Do you feel like your like your thumbprints all over it? You're kind of molding it and helping shape it yep. in the image that you see fit and that you see that this should go and move forward so it can be yep. something very successful. Yep, we have a new program director, Dave Shore. Jason left. He went to Washington D.C. He works for Sirius Sports now. So uh, Dave come to us from L.A. ESPN L.A. Got a lot of experience, knowledge, and he's got a great drive. And you know what? He's teaching me the ropes, more management style different management style. Everyone puts their heads together there, and we try to come up with, you know, we want to have new talent to come in to the station, and eventually the station makes money, there's going to be more shows. And who knows, down the line, right now we have the Pistons. It's great. Maybe we'll have another team down the line uh, in the future. Who knows where, where it's going to hold. Right now we got the Pistons. We're the flagship. I love that. I love having the teams on, on the air. You know, I did that when I had JR. I worked for the Red Wings, the Tigers, and Michigan football. Got into Michigan football for 10 years, working with – Beckman and Brandstatter and Courtney. It's great. And uh, the station's coming together really nicely. Yeah, it's a, we all there want to have more shows. We all want to be local 24-7. We're working with ESPN. They've been great, and they've been real flexible. You know, what, what they let us. We had Colin on, Colin Coward, who just left, who was leaving ESPN. Not yet, officially yet. He did put it official, but he's not off the air yet. So they let us remove him and put in a local show. Ryan and Rico are back weekdays now. So they're 10 to noon, then Matt and I are 12 to 3, and then Drew and Mark take us to 7 o'clock. Then we're doing a lot of Piston shows, NFL shows are coming up. You got fantasy shows coming fantasy up. Fantasy shows, Dennis Farrell, who I know you guys have talked to. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Jake Chapman is our Pistons guy. That's a guy you want to talk to 
up and coming from Orlando, knows his hoop inside and out, but he's learning other stuff. Lions camp, we're going to be all over it. We're going to outwork everybody. That's our goal. Just keep working. Try to get the fan base to come over. 97-1's had a huge lead on us. They have all the teams except the Pistons now. You know, it's an uphill battle, mm-hmm. but you just keep going. You want to make good radio? People are going to come and listen if you got good radio. Is the end game, like you said, to be 24-7, to have of course, that's a, that's, hosts that are local just doing things all day, every day? And I can't speak for you know for Dave, but mm-hmm. I know deep down in his heart, like all of us, we, yeah. all, we want people to work. We want to see bodies there constantly, the constant flow, the constant non-ending show, which we do. We do a lot of crosstalk with our shows. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes it all from 10 to 7, one big fraternity. Here's a question for you. This yeah. is just totally separate. Yeah. Is Greater Media like the nicest radio station you've ever worked at? Because I know it's the nicest radio station I've ever been at. I've interned yeah. for uh, Trudy and Jim on CSX, yep. and them. I walked in there and I was like, "Oh my yep. god, this place is immaculate!" It's like Mayberry RFD, it's, like Andy Griffith style, and that's that's way back in the day, guys. It's a great place it's to work, beautiful. honestly. And the people there, the upper management, they treat you like gold. And again, look, it's the radio business. People lose their jobs mm-hmm. in radio. People just lost their job at CBS. Yeah, CBS again. is doing it. I was cut from there, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. It, it's the worst day. When I got let go the first time, I thought I was on candid camera. I thought they were kidding me. I just left the show with Mike and Terry. We did a great show. Maz, can we see you a minute? I'm like, you know what? I got to run. My wife's we get, we're doing our sonogram today. We're having our third child. We're going to see if it's a boy or a girl today. Oh, this will only take a minute. Oh. Yeah. They walked me into the room, and, of course, the table's filled with HR and union reps and all of that. And I just let, I swear to you guys, I didn't believe that was happening. And you know what? We got a cut. We got cuts. Just like CBS cut, it was the exact same thing. Here's your, uh, you know, four months, five months, whatever the heck they paid me. So they don't do it like in the NFL where they got one guy who's the cut man. <laughs> no. Just goes in. The cut like, man. I, I need, puts, you, I need your letter. playbook. No. I need your playbook. No you hard go. knocks. <laughs> it's, it's a surprise hard knocks right. in radio. And I don't wish it on my worst enemy. It's the worst feeling. It's got to be like a gut punch. It is. It's worse than that. But you know what? The best feeling is that this station was born, and it was like a blessing for me. I can't tell you because there I was working part-time on the weekends for JR, just 30 hours a week, and working on the side because I got three kids. Mm-hmm. You got to feed your kids, so you do anything you can. I'm driving people to the airport. I'm picking people up. I'm shopping for them. Whatever the heck it takes, man. You know, you got people making fun of me for doing stuff like that, which is you know, the Twitter world. Hey, whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do. Right. And let's yeah. talk about some perks of the job. The last two Super Bowls on Radio Row. Yeah. Talk about the experience, the vibe at the Super Bowl on Radio Row, where, where all the networks show up, all the big hosts, all the great guests. I know you got a chance to interview Linda Cohn. Oh, yeah. You, love you, you, have a good time. you love Linda Cohn. I do. Talk <laughs> about Radio Row and the experience uh, There's nothing, Super Bowl week. There's nothing like Super Bowl week. You know, and Final Four is right up there, but not even close. And I've been... So happy and lucky to be into to, I covered every event I've ever wanted to cover. The only thing I'm really missing is the Indy 500 and Daytona. And I'm not a huge car fan, but those are good events. I'd like to see them eventually. I've seen all the Triple Crown races. Uh, Super Bowl is the primo. This year it's going to be out in San Francisco. I can't wait to see that stadium. I hope everything goes well and the station's doing great and we all get to go out there again because it's like every guy's fantasy minus the women <laughs> well the women are there but every guy's fan- sports fantasy i'll leave it at that and you know everyone's there it's so much fun it's like shooting fish in a barrel if you guys were say, out there oh you oh you just walk next over. to show hey, just, no, hey come on just, come on over joe montana you know come on just over. wave them all over just have them sit down they all have their publicists you got to mm-hmm. sign on and everything. but the more you're there and the more you stay in touch i'm always pre-planning mm-hmm. my trips and i know 
who's bringing who ahead of time. And then once you're there, and then those guys see who you're talking to, like Barry Sanders talked to us two years in a row, then they all start coming to you. Oh, we want you to interview this guy. We want you to interview this guy. Mike and Mike are fun to talk to. Kenny Maine was, was amazing, hilarious. Linda Cohn, obviously, love her. <laughs> I saw her in the New York one because that's where she's from and that's where she's hanging. She didn't come to this last one, but uh, it's great. And look she's what a big Rangers doing. fan. You oh, realize yeah. that, right? I know that. She you, knows. Guys, you guys go back and oh, forth? Oh, yeah, she knows I'm a devil and she's a Ranger. <laughs> okay. She knows that. And we get, I get her wrong, but you know what? I'm a Detroit sports fan. I truly, true blue I am. If the Yankees are playing the Tigers, I'm rooting for the Tigers. I truly am. I don't know. It's been 22 years since I've been here, but these are my teams. I cover them, and I want them to win. Was that a hard shift for you? I mean, oh yeah, I know. For me, when I was Very going, I, when I was at, I was the shirt you're wearing. I was, I was a Golden oh, Grizzly. Yeah. I graduated from there. Pat Caputo was my sports writing teacher, and he drilled into our head. He's like, "You can't be a fan of these teams." Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, I had to shut off my fandom, which was was gut wrenching. It was hard for me because yeah. I was, I was one of those crazy people who would sit there scream at their TV yeah. when the when the Wings lost in '09. I was on the corner of a. Of um, uh, Monroe Street, crying Ooh. into my beer. Yep. I was just, I was sitting there and I was just bawling. It is so I was one of those fans. And then when I went to school, Caputo was like, "You got to shut it off." I was able to shut it off and trying to turn it back on to do to do our podcast. It changes. I, it, yeah, I found it yeah. was I found it was a little difficult at first. It's a change, but it's no question. Yeah. It, so was that hard for you to make that switch from hometown teams, people that the teams that you grew up watching, mm-hmm. to now a little bit of a shift because now this is the market you're in. It's not hard because I root for all of them. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a slappy thing, but I do. I root for them all, and no matter where I am in the country, if I'm traveling or whatever, I can just pick up my phone or pick up the local newspaper and look look at the sports department, look at the sports section. I wish newspapers were was still really popular. Mm-hmm. I know they're not, but being a New Yorker, I love having that newspaper in my hand. I love that New York Post, New York uh, News. I wasn't a big Times guy, I'll admit. Not a you know, that's a smart newspaper. Why would I read a smart newspaper when I can read the news and the post? <laughs> You know, and here uh, I give the free press and the news and the Oakland press all the love I can. And there's a lot of friends of mine that have lost their jobs in newspapers. I, I like to see him stay alive. Tom Gage, man, he's going to Cooperstown this yeah. weekend without without anyone. He doesn't work for anyone yeah. right now. That was that's a sin. That was that was a bad move. He should be working for the Detroit News this year. I said it before, and I'll say it a million times. They should have given him the farewell he deserves. I just talked to him. He's going to be on our show uh, coming up, so we'll see how it rolls. Excellent. And we'll replay. It'll be podcasted. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Nothing against your podcast. No, no, no. We no, got no, it on no, 105.1. No, hey. Sports1051.com. Get it out there. Put it out there. At Tom Mazaway on Twitter. Always yeah. a good follow. Definitely check him out on Thanks, Twitter. Man. Tom Mazaway, kind enough to sit with Doc and Jock. You ready to break down some of these great Detroit sports topics? Oh, God, yeah. All right, let's start I'm with always something. always on. Let's start with something positive, the Detroit Lions. The, the Lions are kind of in a situation where – transition a little bit when Ndamukong Sue left. People are talking now, how is the defense going to rebound with, with um, Haloti Nada? How is the, the transition going to take place? The Lions, I think, are in a good spot to have a good season, but a lot of things have to happen right. But the Lions right now are going to be a good watch. It's just going to be one of those things where we have to pay attention to how does Stafford play, how does the defense respond, and the, the Lions are, po- are poised to have a good season if, if the breaks fall where they need to. The only NFL teams are not winning back-to-back 10, 10, season, 10 games in a season. This is their year. They will get double-digit year, year again. That's my prediction. You believe Ten that? Wins? I truly you really believe. believe that? 10 or 11. I do believe it. Oh, I picked them for 11-5 and five last year. Mm-hmm. I and hope you're right. Now listen, for the last game of the year, I even said, 
they're going to win in Green Bay and win 12 what? games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they didn't. But obviously, all, they, they crapped the bet. But they also, did. too, you have said, I can't watch this anymore. I know. I've heard on here, yep. in your postgame show, yep. Lions postgame on 105.1 with Herman Moore, yep. you get upset like do. Doc like uh, Doc and Jock do, and you're like, I can't watch this anymore. They're so close, yet they make the big mistake at the worst possible time. And it's just one of those things where if they could just correct those simple mistakes, they could take the next step. Sounds easy, right? Yeah. Just like the Tigers closing games, You right? can't be Lions free. <laughs> I'll never be Lions free. You can't. And you it's know too what? hard. It's too hard. This is Super Bowl hell, right? I've been making a, a laugh. This is Super Bowl hell. Super Bowl 50 is hell, uh, Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. This is the only, by the way, non-Roman numeral Super Bowl. They're using the 5-0 here. The NFL is using Super Bowl oh, 50. Wow. They're not using the L. They'll use it in certain things. I say Super Bowl L for the Lions. Uh, <laughs> and people laughing at me. I hope what you're the, right, Tom. But what the hell, man? <laughs> Why not us? Why not us? Because it's, what is it, rebuilding since 57? That's it. That it was? We all have those hats. <laughs> 1957 and the Lions colors. Uh, you know <laughs> what? Man. I mean, we, we've got articles coming out talking about our quarterback not having a hunger in his eyes before Isn't that game. something? Isn't that something? How many what? tiers of quarterbacks' uh, rankings did they come up with? They even had backup <laughs> they just, quarterback They just ones. invent stuff. I know they do. They got you know it right. They got to have something to It's football pages. 24-7, 365 these days. I'm a Matt Stafford fan. I'm in the minority. I know. I love the guy. I love his heart. I think he's this is his breakout year. And if he doesn't break out this year, okay, I'll wash my hands and ne- say. Next year's his breakout year then? No, no, I'll <laughs> say. <laughs> no, no, this is the year. He breaks out this year. I promise you. Breaks out in a big way. I'm going to hold you to it. Hold it I'm to gonna it. I'm going to hold you to it. Hold me to it. Okay, playoffs? Yes. Playoffs. Yes, I okay. said they're going to the Super Bowl, okay. didn't I? Oh, do my they goodness. get a bye, though? Do they get a bye? Do they get that, <laughs> do they get that bye? Do they, beat, so. do they beat Green Bay? They got to beat Green Bay. Green Green Bay. Bay. It's and, been, and, since and 91. Do they, do they win the division? Adam and I have had a lot of talks about I hope so. <laughs> I do too. That's the only way they're getting to the Super Bowl, let's be honest. <laughs> now, Adam and I have had a lot of talks about Jim Caldwell, and you're, you're starting to see a shift in the players being a little bit more kind of PG and not so. Because, because of what's going on around the league, mm-hmm. disciplinary issues, the Lions are kind of not looking toward players that they could potentially draft Look, look at Lyle the Collins. They that's, let him go, and the Cowboys example. picked them up. What are your thoughts? You think that it's it's that this is the proper strategy to kind of take it? You need so I think you who need, am I to know? Who I, are we to judge? I think you need some some guys that can muck it up and and have some uh, grit. They got guys with grit. They don't have maybe they don't have the bad boy, mm-hmm. but they got guys with grit. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a little bit different. What yeah. you're what you're describing is you want you want that guy who's maybe a little bit borderline, maybe a little bit. I don't like using the word thug, but just a little bit, little bit more hardcore. Every locker room needs one or two of those guys who maybe push the envelope a little bit because because it, it's football. I think mm-hmm. it. I think it helps drive the entire team that way a little bit. It's always good to have that one guy. Well, who, we're missing Sue. He was our guy. He was Let's our face guy. It. He, he was, was our, our bad guy. boy. He yes. made us the mean team. We're missing Dominic Raiola. He was another mean he, bastard. Right. Guys, you know, guys they, who like to yeah. kick other guys when they're yeah. down. But you and know what? He might have cost his team. He might have cost his team a lot this time. Yep. He cost, them, right. he cost them in Green Bay. Couldn't play that game. They put Travis Swanson, a rookie, in at center. Yeah, he, he did okay, but mm-hmm. how do it's we, not the same. It's not the same. Yep. And they lost in Green Bay. As much as everybody bags on sin. Rayola. It was it's a not sin. Not that was his, not the way to go out. Yes. And, you know, to this day, they had the Cowboys beat, as far as I'm concerned, and the, and the refs stole it from them. Mm-hmm. The other big talking point, Calvin Johnson, around 30 years old. Do you think that he's going to have a productive season? Of course. Play, you believe he'll be productive? Oh, God, yeah. He'll be more Wide receivers around the age of 30 kind of start dipping. Yeah, he'll be top five again. Top will he five be healthy again. For the, will be healthy for 16 games? I hope so. Last year, he I missed, mean, what, six games, seven games? this way. Yep. It was 
crazy. It, it's going to be tough. They, you know, they still have Golden Tate, who's who put out a great season. It's phenomenal. And uh, they've got some extra guys that they've added in. And I think Amir Abdullah is going to help that offense immensely. Were you a fan of that pick? Yeah, because I was screaming I like, at my TV. I know. But you know what? You you want these other guys, but Abdullah is going to be a great back. And I'm going to go. I'm giving Martin Mayu the benefit of the doubt here. Is we he need gonna, a running is, back. Is he going to hold on to the ball, though? That's the question. Know. Can we get him some stick If we can know. put him in there with some stick hey, I'm all for it. Let's go for it. Is it, is it allowed <laughs> anymore? I don't think it's allowed anymore. It's not anymore. allowed anymore. But. Went out with Ken Stabler and Fred Bolitnikoff <laughs> and uh, Lester Hayes back in the Raiders days. It's like slapped the You know calves. what? We all, we all know he, he puts the ball on the ground. Now we'll just got to see what he's going to do in, in the pros. But he's going to help. He's going to be, you know, I hate to use the thunder and lightning, but he and Joyke Bell will be that. And then uh, something I've been thinking is I think Joe Lombardi in the offense, you think they're going to let Stafford be a little bit more. Yeah. Last year, the, the offense was a little bit conservative yeah. towards the end of the year. I think they tried to retrain him. And, you know, that doesn't really happen with a, a quarterback that's taken first overall. The, uh, a lot of people complain about that. They're like, if he was the number one pick in the draft, you shouldn't have to put restraints on him. But you know what? He was a little haphazard, as we know. He's had a really tremendous year a few years ago when when he took him to the playoffs against the Saints and he really hasn't hit that high point again. I think this year will be will be his chance to come back out again. I think you'll I think you'll see that Matt Stafford again. I think he's going to be better. He's in great shape. His mind is good. He's got he's married. He's settled in. He's got I think everything is pointing up to me. I think everything is pointing up. All right, let me ask you this because you've watched you've watched Lions football a lot longer than I have. Yep. And you probably remember the Brett Favre years a lot more clearly I than I do. I do. So I was at the that most, Sterling Sharp game. The most accurate comparison to how Matt Stafford plays is probably Brett Favre. If there is somebody you had to compare, not to. really, because he think? doesn't scramble around like Brett Favre. Who do you think? Is, there, think? is there somebody that you that you can pull off the top of your head real quick? I think he's more like a Matt Ryan to tell you the truth. And Matt really? Ryan doesn't have a big history to him, but I, I think, think he's, he's got a better arm, and I think he makes. Those questionable decisions, like Brett Favre. Brett well, Favre, Brett Favre is Brett the Favre, king of, of of questionable he would decisions. Just, he would, Brett Favre would just like close his eyes and throw yeah. it, and well, it, it would. He cost it, the Vikings it, the Super Bowl. It worked fifty percent of the time, and he cost the Packers <laughs> their last chance at the Super Bowl against the Giants. They're yeah. throwing those two interceptions. But look at this guy, man, Brett Favre. I well, that's the thing. I think every I think everybody in Detroit would take Brett Favre. Oh God, yeah. But that's Matt Stafford. It's he it's doesn't the, scramble like Favre. He, do, he doesn't. But I think the you don't like the sidearm the, throw the, the, the and all decision, that kind yeah, of jazz. The, 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 the decision making in in the the delivery of the box. Brett Favre had uncanny deliveries too. He would sit there, he'd underhand it to you, he'd flip it out to yep. you, any way to get the ball out. Your back. Yeah, I guess what, he's kind of got a little. Do? I think he's got a little gambler in him. You might right. have that. That's why last year they put the straps around him. And well, said, that's You're what not I'm saying. Do, do you ever remember Brett Favre having to have that done to him? No, because he didn't listen. He didn't listen. That's true. Brett Favre kind of did his own thing. He did his own thing. You're absolutely right. He lived on the edge all Scratch the way to the end. Scratch that question. Throw that yep. out. I'm retiring. No, I'm not. I'm retiring. No, I'm not. I'm retiring. No, I'm not. He did it his way. Let's face it. And he pissed a lot of people off. I still love the guy. Just got finished watching all that Packers stuff because mm-hmm. he just got inducted to their Ring of Honor mm-hmm. and their Hall of Fame. And uh, he's back at Green Bay and he's back in the good graces again. So I'm happy about that. I wanted to see him take the Jets to the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Instead, he was uh, sexting pictures uh, to Jen Sturger. <laughs> yeah. All right. Which, she's hot, but she is. That's, you should have your nose in a playbook. <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 this, this thing, this phone is the death of <laughs> us all. It's trouble. It's the death of us. Okay, you hear that, listeners? Maz, Tom Mazaway has Stafford on the buy for the stock for, no doubt. for Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Ten wins and the playoffs. And fantasy sports. And fantasy sports. Yep. Put him down. Put Top him down. Matthew Order Stafford. Not Top ten. Top ten. Top 10. Okay. All right. Top ten. All right, let's look at our... I was going to back into a corner there. All right. <laughs> you sidestepped it. Yeah, I did. Good work. 
I All right. starved you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look at our Detroit Tigers. Struggling a little bit, 46 and 47 as we chat. Yep. It's, it's, it's a tough season, far below everyone's expectations. Yep. There's talk about Brad Ausmus. There's talk about now potentially selling off the pieces. This, this season has really been a struggle because of the expectations and what's happened as we speak here in mid-July. Yet they're a game out of 500, and they're four games out of a wild card spot. So I'm so happy that the uh, Major League Baseball added the the extra wild card. And all you got to do is get to that game, get to that wild card game. They got four teams to jump. They're four games back. The San Francisco Giants won last year their playoff game, the wild card game, and they won the World Series. The Royals came back in dramatic fashion, beat the uh, A's last year in a tremendous game in that wild card game, and took it to Game Seven at home. In the World Series, anyone could have won that game. But Tom, Anybody does this team game. strike you as a team that can do that? Because not yet. I, I don't see it. No, because they need to make a deal at the deadline here. They need another arm or two. They need I'd another reliever. Two. You know, Papa Grande is available. <laughs> People oh. laughed at me today. <laughs> oh, no. But you know what? They brought everyone else back in here. Why not bring him in and see if he can get an out or two? <laughs> Any more DFA <laughs> relievers Anybody. out there that we can pick up? I mean, we've had them all. <laughs> but look, at we should never let uh, Johnson go. He went over to... To uh, Atlanta, he's closing games yeah. for him for, for Jason Grilly, another guy we let go. Yeah. So you, you can go on and on. You never know who's gonna who's gonna be right for you. You you never know. And I I mean it. I'm not giving up on the Tigers yet. I am not. How do you feel about Dave Dombrowski and his job? How how Dave his job building this minor league system? I think he's just. Well, I think it's been a, a total abomination. Well, the minor leagues aren't his aren't his suit. No, they're not a strong suit but at all. Veterans are his suit. Yes. That's how he builds his team. But the thing is, even with his trades, I I would say that for every good trade that he's made, there's at least one bad trade that you can kind of point to him. Well, yeah, Doug at. Fister was a bad trade. But Doug Fister was bringing Aubrey Huff here at a trade deadline that yeah, didn't he work didn't help. out. So Washburn, I, you know, he didn't help. I just don't think that. I don't know. I, I'm I maybe Sean I'm hyper, Casey help. I'm probably hypercritical of Dave Dombrowski just yeah. because I look at that minor league system and I just feel like it's a, it, he's done a paltry job. Yep. We talked to Keith Law, who is an expert on minor leagues from ESPN, and yeah, the Tigers are pretty much tapped out down there. They've got a few good prospects, and they just drafted a bunch of new kids that got to come up there to come up. But this guy doesn't. He doesn't build with, with that. Detroit fans have been blessed with what four straight Central Division titles, two pennants, you know, in ten years. Yeah, they didn't win the World Series. They they sucked in 06. They waited a week to play St. Louis. St. Louis was a bad wild card team that got hot. Detroit booted the ball all over the place. And then that Giants game in 12, in 12 was a horrible showing by them. You know, and Jim Leland basically had enough after that. And here we are with Brad Ausmus. I thought he was the wrong choice last year for a veteran team. Dombrowski liked them. You got to go with Dombrowski. He's going with them now. I think they'll make another move. They have to. I don't think you sell as a Tigers. They don't sell. If they don't make the playoffs this year, how long does Osmus have, do you think? I'm hearing that he's in good. Really? Yeah. Jeez. I'm hearing that he's in good. But if he keeps hacking up, making mistakes, no one's safe, man. Right. Right. You know what? It's what you've done for me lately. Not even if not even your biggest fan can save you if you really if your team's exploding and imploding. But do you think they are? They were down four nothing last night before I even had a a sip of water. Four nothing. I was, scream, came back. I was screaming at my TV. I almost yeah. threw my cell phone through. They come. They come through back. My fifty inch. That's not a team that quits. That's a team that's getting beat with bad pitching. Mm-hmm. That's it. Simon and Green are gas cans. Verlander's right a are. giant roller coaster. Yep. I mean, he'll have a really good Verlander game. And then he'll sit against there and Rick Porcello on Friday at, at Fenway. Oh, that'd be Is great. It? Oh, yeah. tune in. That'd How about be great. that? Well, yeah. When now, you, if Rick Porcello beats us. Then you can put up the white flag. Okay. Yeah, well, Ricky P's having a rough time. He is. Boston. He's one on my fantasy team, too. <laughs> oh, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm not doing too well with you. Sorry. 
All right, let's talk about the the organization that's on 105.1, the Detroit Pistons. Now, they have played one season under Stan Van Gundy. Yep. We got a chance to see what his system is going to be, and I'm impressed. He has a chance to be a great offensive coach, and now he's starting to bring in the pieces that are going to help this that team fit. win. And I think that the Pistons are going to have a good season, but we are we have been waiting now, I think, six or seven seasons yeah, without being in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Yeah, so it's, it's about that time. Make, you want to make the playoffs and just get knocked out? No, I think I, that's why it's important to get in, yeah. get into the dance, and then you never know who gets hot. You never know. Maybe a Brandon Jennings can come back. Well, Cleveland you, is pretty much going to own the East for the next few years. Let, yeah. Let's let's face that. Mm-hmm. All right, but they still have a chance. The Pistons still have a chance to be the eight, the seven, or the six seed from I'd now like on. I'd like to see them right around the four or five. Yeah, it would be That'd nice. make me feel they, much more comfortable you know, about their chances to advance. They just might. The East is the place where a lot of players want to go play now because it's a lot easier to get into the playoffs in the East than it is out West. You got teams that are over 500 not even making the playoffs in the West. Stanley Johnson was a great addition, I think. This kid, they loved him. There was like not even a question that they were going to draft him. So they went out and they got him. They just signed him. He got his new contract. They got their number two guy in from Villanova, Darren Hilliard. And uh, Andre Drummond's year is now. He's going to get his new contract, and he's going to play like the guy they think he could play. He's got to get better on the offense. Let's face it. How do you feel about the way that Stan Van Gundy's constructed this team? It's a very young team. Well, they got a lot of point guards right now, <laughs> so we'll see. I'm not sure if he's done with it yet. The floor, the floor is gonna looks like it's gonna be very spread out. Yes. So spacing will spacing will be nice. It was blocked. For, Remember, it, it was, was it was like a, a big New York City traffic jam. It, it was like a giant anvil down there, right around the basket. Yep. It was horrible. So we'll see how so, they play this year. Do you like the way that he's constructed this? So yeah, far? I do. You know, three point shots win you the games now. So we'll see how they start shooting. Right now, he's got a lot of point cards. I love Brandon Jennings when he came back last year. I was one of the guys that wanted to get rid of him before mm-hmm. Josh Smith. All right, I thought he was a cancer. And when Josh Smith went, this kid all of a sudden said, "Wow, this is my team." Yeah, and he played some of the best basketball, and they were fun to watch. They were one of the best teams in the NBA. It was yes. exciting. It brought life back to the palace. You're not kidding. We had NBA analysts come on and say, "I think the Pistons could be a five seed." At one point, when they were really rolling, dropping 100 points every game, yeah. playing well, and he blows out the Achilles. That was how long, how long does that take to come back? He might not be back for a while yet. Yeah, and, and there's no guarantee when he does come back exactly. that he'll be as effective because no, Reggie the Jackson's will be the guy shorter, now. It'll be tighter. It'll be yep. hard for him to move and jump and cut. Well, Kobe came back and and he wasn't the same, but he was older. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe uh, Brandon can come back. All right, you brought up the Fingers name crossed. Reggie Jackson. He's going to be the signing. eighty million dollar man. He's the signing. SVG is going to be tied to him. Mm-hmm. Now he has, you know, he has a chance to be a twenty and ten, you know, point guard. Very, very skilled offensively. But what we've seen, a little bit inconsistent. When his shots off, you know, shooters say you need to keep shooting, but sometimes the shot is is off. And you know, no I, I, I'm curious to see what what what, is, what he's going to do. I'm uh, with you. I'm curious to see. I'm with you. I hope I hope this season's going to be great for him. I mean, uh, September at the end of September they start camp into October and. Before you know it, the NBA season's back on on board, and I'd be really, I'm really interested to see this team. I like his attitude. I like who they brought here. Yeah, they're not a lot of great big names here. It's a tough sell right now. You haven't made the playoffs in you know six straight years or seven years, whatever the heck it is. But how about back in the day when they made it to how many straight yeah. uh, six straight uh, NBA East championships? Uh, there's there's a lot of good history here, basketball in Detroit, and it's just fun playing you know Detroit basketball. I love you know what Mason says. Mm-hmm. I mean. I take it to heart. It's like they're like, it is the lunch pail team, and they're our team. I didn't like last year when Toronto came in here and took over the Palace. That was bad. Although I thought it was amazing what their fans did. It was so much. It, it was. It really was fun to be there, but I was uh, flabbergasted at the same time. A little bit embarrassing. It was. It was. The one good thing you can say about Reggie Jackson is 
he stays in contact with all the guys on this team, at least by all all accounts. He's yep. been in contact with everybody. It seems like he has embraced the leadership role yeah. on this team, and he takes that to heart, and he's very apt. He he himself wants to go back to the bad boy Pistons, the lunch. He did. He guys. wore that hat. Yes, and <laughs> that's something I think that's good for good for him. Just kind of ingratiating himself in with the fans and in with the city. But I think that also helps with the team, and I think that he, that's going to pull a lot of those guys together. I still get the chills like when I watch the uh, thirty for thirty bad boys. Yes, that was great. You know, and I was in Jersey was at the time when they played. But you know what? I rooted for the, I rooted for them. And as bad as it sounds, like when they walked off the court against the Bulls. I was back in Jersey saying, man, that's, that was cool. Were you, were you like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. You know, because I wasn't a big Jordan guy either. Just like I'm not a LeBron guy. And, you know, maybe I'm an underdog kind of guy. They're an underdog team. They're an underdog story. We always get all mad, like when the NBA shows highlights everything, and all of a sudden they skip 89, mm-hmm. 88, 89, 90, 91. They skip 04. You know, just because, you know, we're the Pistons. You know, I really take them to heart. They're a real fun team to watch, and I think they're going to be – they think they're going to be around for a while. Stan Van Gundy is not going anywhere. And I love that he's the president and he's the guy that you go talk to. He's the coach. You don't like it? Go talk to the president. Oh, that's me. The buck stops here. Exactly. That's the way it should be. We have a couple of minutes left with Tom Mazowick. Now, of all the championships in Detroit, so many sports, so many great so many great teams, and, and we've been blessed to have championship teams. You're not kidding. Which championship did you most get invested in and that you most enjoyed watching? Which team? 97 Red Wings. That was amazing. That was amazing. That was the day I graduated high school. Oh, it was so good. What a memory. And again, I worked at JR. We had the team. And uh, our broadcast facility was a bathroom, of course, in the Joe Louis Arena, but right across (laughs) from the Red Wing locker room. We used to call it the John at the Joe. Art Regner called it Studio P. (laughs) So never mind that. But (laughs) to get these guys coming off the ice and celebrating with them and Mike Vernon with the victory cigar and... You know, just phenomenal to see them win. And Scotty Bowman, I watched him as a kid, and I'm I'm there rubbing elbows with Scotty Bowman. I mean, wow. come on, man, it don't it doesn't get better than that. Scotty Bowman is you know Vince Lombardi. I think they're in the same they're in the same breath. Amazing. And to see that team win and to see this city with that parade and everything they did, and then they then they come back and they repeat. You know, and poor poor Vladdy and Sergey Manatsakanov and what happened to them the following year. To win it in Washington, and we got to cover that team as well. And that what a, what a thrill, what a moment! You know, I have that. Believe that that little photo behind you. I got that. I get the chills right now talking about it. And that was phenomenal. And maybe hockey's not number one to everyone in the country, but man, it is a great game. And you, you, if you don't like it, you don't really don't know what you're missing. These Canadian farm boys put their hearts out, and they're all <laughs> you know, great guys too. Exactly. Most of them top notch guys, and the most available of any sports at any athlete in all sports are hockey players 97 red wings without a doubt my favorite now we'll get you out of here on this we ask all our guests it's an interesting question that i read in a book um out there from an author in new york he says if you got four tickets any sporting event any time in history you can take three people either dead or alive famous or your friends what venue would you go to and what event would you watch and who would you take i'm going to the super bowl i'm going to the super bowl and i would hope it was at the rose bowl because the Rose Bowl is an amazing venue. And when I was there at 98, when Michigan won the national championship with Brian Greasy and Lloyd Carr, again, JR story. We covered the team. I'm just saying, you need to write a book. You're not kidding, man. Can, can we? Can the we, people that I've rubbed put a book together with, here? I, I can't even believe. Jeez. Like, I had a show with Bo Schembechler. I mean, I produced this show for seven years. Brandy and Bo and Ernie Harwell. And the Super Bowl to me is 
Should be sports according to Maz. I swear, man. I'm so lucky. <laughs> we got the title already. I'm so lucky. I am. But the Super Bowl at the Rose Bowl. Who would you take? I would, take, I would take my wife and I would take my best friend, Ralph. And the fourth ticket, man, that would be a tough one. I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it for you guys. You guys can split it up. <laughs> Tom Mazaway, 105.1 FM. Check, out, check him out on Twitter, at Tom Mazaway, DetroitSports1051.com. Radio executive producer, thank you so much for sharing stories. We really enjoyed it. We wish we could talk for another two to three hours. Great stories. Thanks, guys. Thank you so thank much you, for your time. They make me feel good, you know, remembering why I, I'm in this business. It's fun, and I hope you guys do. I hope you guys kick butt, man. Thank Keep you. it up. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate your time.